All right, everybody, welcome back to We Dig Tennessee. I'm your host, Matt Mingus. Uh, glad to have you guys listening again. And this week, we've got another great guest uh, with us. we got uh, Mr. Eben Wyman from Wyman & Associates. Eben, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Uh, just happy, happy to have to you here. with us. Um, and and uh, I was going to explain what Wyman & Associates does, but I'll let you explain that here in a minute. Uh, so I always like to kick these things off with just kind of find out a little, about, a little bit about yourself, how you got into doing what you're doing and kind of how you got to work with Nuka. So if you don't mind, man, just kind of let us know. Yeah, no problem, Matt, at all. As a matter of fact, Nuka got quite the extensive history with Nuka. Uh, I moved from, I went to school in Ohio, uh, moved to Washington right out of college in 91, uh, worked as a runner for a pretty large lobbying firm in DC, um, did you know great things like driving clients around, making copies, <laughs> uh, doing occasional hearing reports, going to, to congressional hearings. Uh, then got a job at the U.S. Department of Transportation in the Research and Special Programs Administration, basically overseeing pipeline safety. I uh, was there for about six years, where one of the last things I did was um, kind of the middleman during the Common Ground study in 1998-99. And NUCA was one of the stakeholders, um, knee-deep, neck-deep in that study. And so actually, um, a young lady there um, offered me a job as a lobbyist for NUCA in the year 2000. And I was there for 12 years uh, doing, I guess, chief lobbyist at NUCA doing water infrastructure, uh, damage prevention, which I know we're going to talk about today, um, was always a primary issue working for, for NUCA. Uh, in 2012, I started my own thing, uh, Wyman Associates in, in May, I believe, of 2012. Uh, and since then, picked up a few clients. Uh, so I'm working for distribution contractors, some transmission, uh, gas transmission contractors, plastic pipe manufacturers, power and communication contractors. And a couple of years ago, um, uh, Nuka reached out and, and talked about me being on retainer for the organization. And I jumped at the chance because uh, obviously I have a lot of history with Nuka. So very psyched to be back in the game with Nuka. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I will say in my short tenure with Nuka, uh, since you've came on board, it's been a, a vast difference in what we used to have and, and what you guys are doing. I really love what you guys are doing and you're representing Nuka very, very well. well I appreciate you saying that, Matt. And, and I got to say, I'm equally psyched that you are now my chairman for the Damage Prevention Committee. We're looking forward to uh, making a lot of progress. Lots going on. <laughs> there is lots going on. I actually, I sat in on the, the CGA uh, next, next, whatever they call it. I can't Practices, remember the name yep. of uh, Yesterday. And, and it was a uh, pretty interesting. So, you're right. There's a lot going on. Actually, yeah, the next practice is, is interesting. I know we'll talk about it, but, you know, CJ has always been about um, dealing with existing practices that are already out there and what the best of the, you know, the best practices, all the practices that are out there. Next practices are looking at, OK, we, we've done what we can with what's out there. What's next? I mean, what do we need to do? And I can just tell you, we'll talk about CGA, but but um, I think there's lots of opportunity, not just for all the stakeholders in the damage prevention arena, but for contractors in particular. Uh, but no, you're right. It was definitely an interesting meeting. There's a lot, uh, you know, coming out of that. And, and I took in a lot, took a lot of notes. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Um, and like you said, we're going to touch on CGA, CGA here in a minute. But uh, let me, uh, let's just jump right into uh, what I've got for you today. And, and number one is the damage prevention study that, uh, that Nuke is undertaking. And I'd like to let our listeners know a little bit more about it, what it is, and, and, and what we're trying to accomplish with it. Okay, that's a great question, and we're very happy to have Nuka involved in this study. I, I think maybe a better question is why we're doing it. 
Um, you know, so, so for years, for decades, contractors have um, have expressed, you know, um, what we believe are increasing problems associated with facility locating um, that we think contribute at least as much as a contractor not calling 811 or, or not digging carefully. Um, we know that the CGA's DIRT, you know, the damage information reporting tool, that data might say otherwise, but we also know that at least in my mind, I'll just speak for myself. I think the dirt data for, to a certain extent, only tells one side of the story. And the reason for that is that we haven't been able to get contractors to submit our side of the story through data uh, into the dirt uh, system. And that's on us. I mean, that, that's on the contractors. But that being said, you know, we need something to back up, you know, what we think, especially in the, in the last couple of years, is an increasing problem. And let me give you an example of that. You know, we've seen just over the past couple of years, with increases and significant increases in ticket volume, um, a, a very serious problem with facility owners not meeting their responsibilities in facility locating and marking. Just a couple of years ago, we had a large telecom carrier in Minnesota cited for 68,000 um, either not responding um, or blatantly late um, to responding uh, to, to a locate request. We had a, a, a gas utility in Michigan, that same year, 20,000 uh, locate requests that weren't met or were very late in meeting. And that you're talking about, you know, gas utilities, you're talking about high consequence events. And so looking at this over the past couple of years, it's become increasingly clear that with all the tickets out there and only a certain amount of them getting marked and many of those getting marked very late, that the decisions on what gets marked and when are not based on safety. They're based on economics. They're based on costs. And we need to deal with that. The operators are deciding what gets marked when, and the contractors are left, you know, with a lot of downtime and not knowing what's going to be out there, which is why we're putting so many tickets out because we simply, we have to react to what gets located. So we know that this is the case. I, I work for Nuke, obviously, and I said that some other contractor associations, I'm hearing this from, from contractors in every market, that this is a big problem and it's, and it's only getting worse. Um, that said, um, whenever I talk to, to public officials, especially FIMSA, you know, if I, if I relay what I just laid out for you guys, the first thing I hear is, do you have data to support that or show me the numbers on this? Um, you know, the operators have numbers when, when they crack down, they the dirt data that right now speaks in their favor, favor. Um, we need something on our side that, that is going to tell our side of the story, which is where this study comes in. Um, so we're doing a, a, a um, a comprehensive study, a comprehensive look at the entire process. So looking at the functioning of the utility locating industry, case studies defining the industry's success or failures, and then some recommendations regarding all the players. So financial players, insurance, regulatory, legal, um, and, and then some recommendations just to, to all the readers or all the stakeholders um, about the entire process and how it can be um, uh, improved. And some performance metrics um, and and business case studies to help support our case. Okay, it's kind of the overview of, of what we're looking at doing. And, and we've got let me see, we've got power and communication contractors, we've got Nuka, we've got the American Pipeline Contractors Association, uh, and we're hoping to get a few more um, over uh, the course of this of this study. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a, a and you're right. It, contractors don't have that data out there. And so we need it. Um, so which I'll go ahead and jump in the CGA with that. Um, 
gathering all that information, can we see a change in the dirt data when it comes to CGA? I mean, is that a realistic expectation? Because it's, whenever I look at dirt data, I feel overwhelmed by operators. Yes. Um, and, and that's how it's been. I, I think things are changing that in a couple of ways. Um, number one, we're actually getting, you know, when I talked about some of that, that situation in Minnesota, one thing I'm seeing is that we're actually getting media attention on the locating side of things. You know, we're not just talking about if a, if a telecommunication system doesn't get located, um, it's not just that market anymore. We had, we had in Minnesota local news stories about the lack of locating and shutting down projects because of that, that we're blocking road projects. And that's what gets you on the local news. So we've seen um, a lot more media attention, not just on damage prevention issues, but on the locating process itself. That's one thing. Um, there are apps. Uh, the Nuka Winds app um, is, is going to do a lot for contractors to, in real time, be able to document, you know, uh, um, say a mismark of five feet, take a picture. You can put it, put that data right into, I believe, right into the, the dirt system. So it's no longer a form where contractors are going to have to fill out a form, fax it in, email it in and go into the dirt system. They can do this in real time. And so the, the Nuka Wins app and there are other apps out there, um, but Nuka Wins, I, I think uh, would be great for all the Nuka members uh, to, to uh, utilize in getting that. It's going to really simplify the process of getting this the, these numbers into the dirt system. Yeah, uh, Nuka Winds is a great tool, um, and the more numbers we can get in there, the better chance we're going to have it kind of evening this out. Uh, so, so I know Nuka has been working hard at having more of a presence with CGA, so that we can you know get our voice heard uh, through a couple of folks on the board and a part of those committees. And so, how is that being received? Is Nuka being able to make an impact? Yeah, let, let me talk a little bit about CGA. So, so Nuka was an original member. I, I mentioned the study. When I was at DOT, Nuka and, frankly, the AGC were the two excavator contractor groups involved in that study. So Nuka was at the forefront of this back in the 90s. Um, when it went from a study to a nonprofit, Nuka was part of what the, the process called the path forward um, and, and has been um, an active player um, ever since. Um I will say that over the past, so so in my mind, CGA, it might not be the only game in town, but is by far the most effective and most important organization working on damage prevention in the country, if, if not global, frankly. Um, it has a big presence in Canada, um, but it's just, a, it's a great organization. Any organization can use improvements, but CGA, I can tell you this, um, five, six years ago, I was a little bit frustrated because it was, CGA to me was going down the road of looking like the call 811 association, right? If the contractors do their part, you've got damage prevention. And we all know that that's, that's not the case. It, it, we really need shared responsibility. Uh, a few years ago, Sarah Magruder-Lyle took the helmet CGA and things did start to change. We do have an excavator. Um, rep, uh, we have a contractor representing the excavator stakeholder group who's been decades in several markets, very knowledgeable guy who's certainly not shy and certainly not uh, afraid to shake things up and and go head to head with some of the operators on the board. And I think, you know, the the, uh, the narrative has changed. I think we've seen, you know, there's more contractor input on the board. 
And again, the way Sarah approaches things, she makes darn sure that we're not put on the back burner. So, so again, I've been around this since before it was an organization, it was a study and I haven't seen, uh, I haven't experienced a time where contractors were in a better situation than we are right now. Yeah, I was, I was very encouraged yesterday on the next steps, uh, webinar to hear how many contractors had an opportunity to be a part of that panel and have a voice in it. So I know just from the outside looking in, um, you know, kind of as I step into this role as chairman of the Damage Prevention Committee, uh, I, I mean, I'm encouraged for what's already there to work with. So, I mean, I, I would agree. It seems like it's moving in the right direction. Matt, I got to tell you, it, it's a critical time that you're becoming chair because, you know, we'll get this study out. The, the study, uh, we originally a two-year process, so I'm hoping we will get um, some findings or even a report end of 22, if not 23. Um, and that's when we're going to take these things, you know, to the state level as states reevaluate or, or adjust their state damage prevention statutes, we'll use this study. And, and so NUCA, and we're, it's not just uh, in damage prevention, but state level advocacy is becoming more and more important. So between that, the next practices effort, uh, where CGA is going and the position that contractors are in, it's a critical time. So I'm very happy to have you where you are <laughs> in the chairman seat. <laughs> well, man, I'm happy to do it. Damage prevention is something that's been a passion of, mine for a long time. And even before me, my father was on the Tennessee 811 board of directors where I, I, I sit now and, you know, we, we've always been the number one partner in damage prevention in the state of Tennessee. Uh, and so it, I'm very happy to, to take, fill that role and, and hopefully learn more and improve damage prevention for everybody. Uh, Amen. Good stuff. So you just hit on something else I wanted to ask. Uh, so I'm going to jump down to it. And, and that is, uh, the importance of interacting with your legislators and including them in community events at a state level. And so how, how can, how much, how important is that to what NUGA does and, and the message that you guys are trying to spread? Well, if you mean, I wanted to ask you about that. So if you mean community events, like, like having a politician come out to a construction site. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Any, anything that we do as a NUCA chapter, yeah. you know, so, yes. if we can so, invite them to it, is that, is that making the kind of impact we want to see? Yes, I would say having having um, lawmakers come to a chapter event, speak to your guys is one thing. One thing that is great, and and I've seen a lot of chapters do this. They do a heck of a job doing it. Is having a lawmaker come out to a job site. Um, I think you'd have to look hard to find a politician that doesn't want his or her picture taken, uh, you know, on a backhoe with a hard hat on. Like that's as American as apple pie. So so they love that stuff. They eat it up and. And uh, they'll remember, you know, and, and you know what? They might actually learn something while they're there about utility construction. So I can't tell you enough. I mean, I can tell you I've been a lobbyist for 20, going on 30 years. I can't believe it, or 25 years. Um, but they love hearing from me when I speak on your behalf. But there's nothing that can substitute face-to-face -face time with a lawmaker and his or her constituents, especially uh, employers in an important industry that builds utilities, right? So, so it's like... You, Construction contractors have a leg up in a lot of ways. Constituents, employers working on stuff that politicians love to brag about um, on the campaign trail. So, so I'd say Nuka's in a unique position as as the, you know the stakeholder that has a lot to gain from inviting and um, and enabling politicians to participate in in some of your events. So yeah, it's it's uh, very important. Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree, man, it, it, and it's really. I think it's if Nuka leverages their position right, it's amazing how how willing they are to work with you. Uh, you right. know, we we try to include uh, 
uh, one of the senators from Tennessee in our holiday event. And, you know, they were in D.C. that couldn't make it, but they still went out of their way to make a video to send to us so we could play at our holiday event. And, you know, they'll do anything they can to help you out. If you, all you got to do is ask. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's not just um, it's, it's one of those, especially true in D.C., but it's not just a one time thing. You have to, you know, forge a relationship and maintain it. Because as you know, you've been to Capitol Hill several times. You go up there once, you're going to meet with young, ambitious, very intelligent go-getters. Next time you go, it's going to be new people because they move around, they move up. So you have to, it's con, it's it's a constant drumbeat of, of forging and maintaining relationships in Washington, but just as important, if not more important, at the state and local level where the, you know, where the chapters are operating. So you're exactly right. Yep. So another thing I wanted to ask you about was the muster program and, and what it is and, and how you guys are utilizing it. Cause I think it's going to be another, it's another huge benefit for us uh, when reaching out to our lawmakers. I know uh, I've gotten responses from every lawmaker that, that I'm attached to on the, on the muster program on everything you guys have, have put in there. And it's been just awesome. Yeah. Muster is, is a game changer for us. And, and we use this for other clients uh, and, and, you know, Nuka's been involved. We've had Nuka involvement in our muster program for about a year now, if maybe a little less than a year. It's basically the grassroots communication platform that that Nuka Government Relations uh, uses to connect our you know members with elected officials um, at both the federal and importantly the state level. Um, uh, the campaigns are run through what we call action alerts. To basically, online. It's an online form that automatically matches you to your lawmakers or policymakers and provides a pre-written or sample letter or message that can be edited and sent to lawmakers, uh, again, both at the federal and state level. And that's, that's what's important is we're not just talking. I mean, there are plenty of those services out there where you just put your name in, put your sample letter, and you could get 500 of the same letter sent which basically the message is, yeah, I agree with what that guy said. What, what muster allows for is you can personalize it. And this is what's important, right? Like you put in not just, you know, your company name, but how many people you employ, what projects are you working with? What kind of projects, where in the state um, you can personalize it. And, and it really, you're talking about five minutes of your time to do that. Um, and then with a couple of clicks, we'll get that to the lawmakers that, that uh, you want to reach and Zach Perconti, my colleague, is really the uh, he's the muster guru on this. So I would encourage everybody to talk with Zach about this. But but I can let you know that since Nuka has been involved, we've had well over a thousand emails sent to uh, federal uh, and, and local officials uh, since Nuka's gotten involved. Um, it helps on Capitol Hill. But again, at the state level, let, let me let me talk about quickly why that's so important. If you look at the current attack on it's I can't think of a, another word that better describes it, but the attack on the natural gas industry. And I'm not just talking about pipelines. I'm talking about, you know, and not just the operators, but anybody who values and utilizes natural gas needs to be concerned at this. Um, and it's not just in the form of the Green New Deal and over the top, um, you know, climate policy uh, proposals We're talking about state levels in several states. They're trying to mandate electrification or even in the case of Washington state by 2030, they just want to phase out the use of natural gas in general. So there are some states that are doing the right things that are prohibiting those types of laws. But this is where we have to weigh in. And it can't be Zach and I doing this. This has to be the chapters. It has to be the members at the state level. And muster is going to really make it easy for you guys to do that. So how do you get signed up? 
Uh, there is a link on the website. Um, there are uh, the beautiful, another beautiful thing about muster is it's not just Matt Mingus, right? Matt, you can send it and expand our network um, by multiple people in the company, right? So, so this is where you get, you know, you might have uh, an association of 17, 1800 companies, but you can have a network of 10,000, you know, uh, citizen advocates. And, and that's exactly what we need. And, and again, at the federal level, we love, I mean, I've, I've said this to the chapters, like a, a guy who, um, you know, formerly on staff with NUCA, but the importance of the chapters, I can't, I can't overstate because it, it, it allows me, first of all, to say to an office, well, my guys in Tennessee are going to be watching. So you might, you don't have to say yes, but please give me an answer. Cause I get an answer to them. Right. So, so that's why chapters are so important, but then chapter involvement at the state level, especially on the natural gas side is going to be fundamental moving forward. So, and, and muster will make it easy. So members don't have to write their own letters and send them, email them, find out who to send them to. Uh, this, this program takes care of all that up front. Yeah. It's been a, a great tool, you know, for me to, when you guys send those out to be able to attach my name to it, edit it a little bit here and there, you know, add how many employees we have. I mean, cause uh, then you're talking voters for these folks, you know, then, then right. while you guys are working them up there on Capitol Hill and then we're, we're, we're chirping at them through muster program. We're, and we're the voters. We're the one that vote them back into office. So they're going to perk up and listen. So it's a, it's been a great program. And, you know, a little selfishly as a guy that does natural gas work, I'm really happy to have you guys on my side for that. <laughs> Well, vice versa. We're happy to have you there. <laughs> so, uh, all right. It's an important um, time. Man, so another thing I wanted to touch on was the PAC program. You know, we heard a lot about uh, PAC at, at convention and trying to, and, and how successful our PAC was last year. You know, everybody that our PAC money went behind got reelected, elected, whatever it was, 100%. It was, it was awesome. Uh, yeah. So, but I know a lot of people that hear PAC know what PAC is, but maybe don't know exactly what PAC does and how it benefits us. So if you could just kind of give us a little, little insight on that. Sure. It was, I, whenever I explain this, it reminds me when I first took the job at Nuka back in 2000 and I had a cousin come up to me and say, what's this I hear? You're going to be a lobbyist. You're going to be involved in PACs. You're going to drop off bags of gold or bags of money to, to buy votes. And it, I mean, that unfortunately is the, the, uh, the, um, misperception, if you will, uh, about the industry, but, but about PACs in general. Political action or, or contributing to a political campaign gets a bad rap, but it's really as American as baseball and apple pie, right? It's been around forever. Having a PAC really just coordinates uh, and facilitates an industry's political action. Um, it's really simple the way you look at a PAC. It does two things. It raises money and it distributes money in the form of campaigns to lawmakers that are favorable to our agenda. Doesn't mean they always vote our way, but they understand the, the, maybe they don't even understand it, but they're in a position with jurisdiction or responsibility over our legislative and regulatory um, uh, agenda. So, so let me think about this. Um, it, PACs certainly don't deliver votes. What they do is open doors, right? Just provide a little more access so that our messages, we can we can just reiterate our messages more. And again, it's it's American to support legislators that that um, that understand and advocate in Congress uh, on your behalf. So so it's really it's um you know there are lots of rules or crazy rules associated with PACs. And I'll give you an example. 
I I can't just ask Matt Mingus to give to the pack. First, I have to ask Matt to sign um, to sign a form or at least a line on our form for each year. It's okay for me to ask you for money, except for two times a year. But it's it's some of these crazy rules they call prior approval. And I think it was originally, you know, so that you didn't have just this overwhelming, uh, these overwhelming requests of, of association members to, to give. But it's kind of, there are some crazy harebrained ideas, but PAC operations are important. All they really do, uh, all the PAC really does is open doors, but it is a critical part of uh, the advocacy uh, process, if you will. Yeah. So it- I'm glad to get you to have give us a little bit of explanation because you know I, I again I'm one of those guys I've heard PAC forever you know I've always hear about it and I've always known it's important but what exactly it did and helped with was I was never really certain of so that that's very helpful and, and I'm kind of glad to get that insight. Well, and Matt, uh, if, if you don't mind, let me just elaborate just a little more on PAC. Just just yeah. so um, you know, Nuka has a committee. This isn't Zach and I don't just decide um, where Nuka PAC dollars go. There's a committee. All contributions are approved before uh, before we do anything. Uh, and frankly, we give to a Tennessee lawmaker. Um, we would much rather have one of your folks within your chapter deliver that check rather than us just mail it to the campaign. So, so we do what we can to make the most out of our PAC dollars, if you will. But again, it really just um, provides more access. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, I know the committee, TNT there, Tony and Tony do a pretty good job getting out there and, and supporting PAC and, and trying to get everybody to donate. And um, really, anybody listening, you need to go on the website and look into the pack and donate. You get a you, you donate, you get a pretty cool badge. You get to wear around all the Nuka events and show it off to everybody else that you donated. So, yeah, that yeah. was a great idea. Doug came up with that's that's uh, I think we raised I think we raised eighteen thousand at the convention alone. Well, y'all, so after we raised that. I donated my pack money so I could get a more important badge than Mr. Chairman Lauren Atwell there. So it was, uh, you know, nothing wrong with a little competition. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. Uh, well, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit on you, man. I, I know uh, we're coming up here on about half an hour, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, but what what's Nuka's path forward now? The new administration's in place and uh, hit the ground running. So where where are we? What are we doing moving forward? How are we gonna handle what they're throwing at us? Well, I hope you have another half hour because you know, that's a loaded question, Matt. <laughs> no, I can tell you, it, it means it means lots of things. It means some good things. It means um, some I won't say bad things, but certainly some challenges um, for for construction and frankly the business community. Uh, if you look at at Biden Biden's day one, right? I mean, he's talked about creating hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of well paid, well paying union jobs, and then he laid off. 11,000 of them by terminating the Keystone XL pipeline, right? And so I think that that was um, an original uh, carrot, if you will, that he threw to the environmental community. Um, He also rolled back a lot of the good stuff that came out of the Trump administration, um, especially with regard to project permitting, a lot of rollbacks on facilitating the the project permitting, not just for pipelines, but for infrastructure projects in general. so, so, and frankly, I know, you know, Nuka's got a, a, a split membership between uh, union and non-union contractors, but there are some over-the-top policy proposals that we know are coming our way uh, in terms of labor policy, like required project labor agreements on all federal projects. It's just not a good idea. Union contractors shouldn't want to see that. 
Um, the, you know, there's provisions that would that would require government arbitration uh, during during discussions on collective bargaining. If agreement is not met in a certain time frame, the government would come in and and facilitate that discussion. No employer wants to see that, whether a union contractor or not. Um, so at the same time, um, our climb towards increased funding for water and wastewater infrastructure is a little less steep under a Biden administration. And frankly, with Democratic control in Congress, they're a lot more amenable to, say, EPA funding for the state revolving fund programs, for the WIFIA program. Uh, the Democrats are even coming around for our, our um, exempt facility bond initiative, uh, formerly known as PAB, so that would allow for more private investment in the water infrastructure uh, sector. So in terms of funding for the market, things are looking pretty good. Uh, we will be having fights um, in the climate uh, debate and for some of these overzealous labor proposals. So it means good and bad things as they always do. And, you know, any lobbyist who works for an association like NUCA knows that the true expertise is in the membership. It's not here with Zach and I. I'm, I think we do a great job for you. But any any lobbyist working for an association knows that the members uh, hold the real cards in terms of expertise uh, and influence um, in, in national advocacy. So that's kind of where we are looking at the Biden administration and, frankly, uh, NUCA's pl- um, advocacy program in general. No, I, I agree. I think you guys do a great job. And, and, you know, this goes back to, you know, we're the voters, you know, we're the ones that they have to listen to because we decide whether or not you go back into office or not. And again, voters and constituents, but also employers with influence over several voters. Right. That That's really big. That's right. That's right. So hopefully um, I've got no doubt you guys are going to handle this the right way for Nuka moving forward. Like I said, you guys are doing a fantastic job and, and it's been exciting to watch what you guys have done uh, over the past couple of years. So Appreciate I got one that, last Matt. question for you. And it's uh, another, again, a little bit of a selfish question because I'm one of those unfortunate contractors that are forced to use the gold shovel standard. I know we've had some discussion over that uh, the last couple of years. So, you know, where are we going with gold shovel standard, man? I'm ready to do something with that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure I bet we're on the same page on what we'd like to do with the gold shovel standard. I think it's important. I'll take a few minutes on this because you got to get a little bit of the history to know where we are on this, right? So gold shovel started out as an internal program at PG&E, the largest utility on the West Coast, and if not in the country, maybe not as big as some of the others, but it was an internal program at PG&E. It was rolled out um, to several markets as um, a, a tool in damage prevention and providing damage prevention metrics. Uh, the original plan was a facility operator requires his contractors to enroll as a condition of doing business with them and provide all their damage prevention curriculum, protocols, procedures. And then over time, contractors would be ranked, scored and ranked in accordance, um, consistent with the amount of facility hits they had. They didn't have any normalization of the data. So a large contractor is going to have a much, worth less, uh, uh, a much worse score than a smaller one just by virtue of having more projects out there. Um, they didn't really look at the root cause. So if there was a, a hit because of a mismark, that's still a hit that's going to go on your score. You're going to be scored on that. Um, and a bunch of other bad stuff. So, so Nuka banded with several of other excavation contractor groups and we raised hell about it, quite frankly. Um, and it, amazingly, they just they walked a lot of that stuff back. We essentially turned that pro the original program upside down. 
to the extent that we don't really know now what they're doing. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, you know, they came out with this contract or the excavation metric. We said, well, there's more to damage prevention than just digging. There's locating and marking. And how are you going to factor that in? So they promised to do what they call the pre-excavation metric. And that was not just going to be looking at contract locators, but looking at the operators. You know, are the operators, um, are they paying well for their for their locators? Do they have a, a quality before quantity approach? Or are they sending a locator out with 60 tickets, expecting them to, to clear 60 tickets in a day, which we know is not practical. And frankly, this is one of the things that the next practices effort is getting into and really taking a deep dive in that. Um, so all these things never happened. The pre-excavation metric never happened. It's still a biased organization. Um, two associations, uh, that rep- national associations representing contract locators, they walked away. They disbanded three years ago. And then um, there was another national association that, that walked away last year representing general contractors. So two major groups representing all stakeholders in this, or, or two important stakeholders in this process have walked away. The only consistent thing that has happened since 2016 is the annual taking of contractor money in the form of up to $2,400 per contractor. So let me ask you this. We've had at least since 2016, between 800 and now well over a thousand contractors that have been not voluntarily, they like to say it's voluntarily, but it's a voluntary uh, program, but coerced to, to uh, enroll in this program as a condition of doing business. Thousands of them for five years, we're talking about millions of dollars in, in contractor dues. We've asked where that money's going. We have no idea you know, what that money is spent on. They haven't come out with anything. They've had major um, changes in leadership. Uh, it went from the entrepreneur who was selling the original software to a very well-respected um, uh, industry executive from in the natural gas industry who stepped down last year or maybe late 2019. And now the show's being run by a, either a current or former PG&E employee again. So we've come full circle. And the only thing that has really resulted is contractors are out of quite a lot of money with nothing to show for it in a program that they didn't believe in in the first place. Uh, and, the, and the person who started this told me when he was selling it to me that we know that Gold Shovel Standard and now Gold Shovel Association, one thing they did is actually become a legitimate nonprofit, at least legally. But but this gentleman said, well, ne- this program will never work without contractor buy-in. They didn't have it then. They haven't had it since. And they certainly don't have it now. So So I hate to say it, but the only thing you guys are getting out of this is giving them 2400 bucks um, uh, a year. And I think it's clear and we've made it very clear that as long as we have nothing to no problem with metrics, frankly, I, I would love the CGA to look at metrics. Um, but but <laughs> as long as there's that logo and there's that name and the way it was rolled out and the way that they didn't talk to contractors and all they've been doing is taking their money. I don't see buy-in coming anytime soon for the gold shovel association. No, I I would agree with that. It's definitely, we get nothing out of it. Um, You know, they try to sell it as, you know, uh, you know, it's going to help improve our damage prevention program. And they've got those metrics in those metrics really don't tell me anything. I mean, I know where I hit the stuff at if I hit it, man, like it's, (laughs) I could have gave you that. Uh, but they they add nothing to our damage prevention program. They, it, it's literally, yeah, we were, we're not, it's not a voluntary program. We're, vo- it's a voluntold program. Uh, there you go. but it's, uh, so 
Okay. I like well, that. I'm going to use that, Matt. <laughs> Voluntold, I like it. <laughs> well, that's, that's exactly like, right. That's how I like to tell my story of how I got involved with NUCA. Craig Ingram from Tennessee 811 voluntold me we needed to start a chapter in Middle Tennessee, and here we are. You know what? I, I got to say, good move. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not mad about it. I've enjoyed it. It's been a, a very rewarding experience getting to know all these folks and meet guys like you and, and Zach and Doug and Chris and, and, and fellow contractors from around the country that experience the same things we do. So it's been a very, very rewarding uh, process to be a part of this. And I'm happy to be here, man. Um, uh, well, so, uh, I'll, I'll thank you for joining us today, man. I really appreciate it. Um, this was a lot of information in a short time, so I'm sure we'll have to do this again. You bet, Matt. I appreciate you reaching out and uh, anytime. And, and for the folks listening, if you ever have any questions, you know, reach out to me and Zach early and often. We're always here for you, and we appreciate uh, being a part of this organization. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Evan. You bet, Matt. Have a great one. All right, guys, Eben has left the recording. I again want to say thank you to him for joining us today. Always full of just great information. Uh, and so I really appreciate Eben coming on. What he and Zach are doing to represent Nuke on Capitol Hill is just awesome. Uh, they they do a great job, and, and I can't say enough about the information you get from those guys just, just through a conversation. They, they do such a good job. Uh, so with that, guys, uh, we'll hit a couple of uh, upcoming events. Uh, upcoming for Nuke of East Tennessee uh, just confirmed uh, again is the member welcome in 2021 kickoff event for March 10th 5 to 6 30 at Calhoun's on the river there in Knoxville uh, they have reserved two large rooms and the patio so there's plenty of room for social distancing uh, they'll have the bar open and some uh, some appetizer heavy appetizers being um, passed around so uh, that sounds like a ton of fun and then they also have their golf tournament registration open uh, it's starting to fill up. already got uh, a little over 10 teams registered. Uh, and that is going to be April 2nd at the Sevierville Golf Club, 9.30 to 3 p.m. I'm sorry, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. It includes 18 holes of golf, cart, food and beverage, and VIP player goodie bags. Uh, so get signed up for that, guys. That's going to be a lot of fun. All right, guys. Then here locally, uh, still guys coming up um, actually very, very soon is the axe throwing event that we're having here in Nashville at uh, BATL of Nashville Axe Throwing, uh, March 18th. Uh, start time is 5 p.m., but get there about 4.45, 15 minutes early. Uh, make sure you get signed in, got to sign your waiver, all that kind of, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, we've got indoor and outdoor lanes reserved, uh, bar and food on premises. Uh, just, when you register for, this, register for this, just make sure that you're putting your food option that you want on your registration. That's just one of the things they're asking of us, uh, one of their COVID policies. So, you know, no big deal, easy to comply with. Um, and then uh, after that, on April 7th, we've got the Safety for Le- safety Leadership for Supervisors webinar with Carl Vasquez. Um, guys, y'all have heard Carl on here. Uh, he is doing a great job so far as the new Director of Safety for Nuke and National and I'm really excited to for everybody to be able to log on and, and hear from them. So, uh, guys, spread this around. You know, spread all these events that we're talking about for for East and Middle Tennessee around. Let people know. Um, you know, the more people we can get involved with Nuka, the the more our voice can grow. So, you know, don't don't contain this just to you. You know, spread it to your employees. Get your safety guys on this thing with with Carl. Get your VPs and your presidents and the you know your upper management and and your supervisors and your 
platform and if they you know if they have time let them let them click click on the link and register and 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 take some time and, and sit in on this you know the more information people can get the better i mean you know your foreman and supervisors or your leaders out in the field you know share this podcast with them you know there's there's information in these podcasts that everyone needs to know you know everyone wants to be able to hear that we have great representation working for our industry's benefit on capitol hill everybody you know needs this information so share the podcast Share these weekly emails you're getting from Natalie and Wendy. Uh, share the social media posts about our chapter's events and the and the East Tennessee events and you know all the stuff that's going on. Uh, so you know the more we spread it, the more people we get involved. The more our voice grows, the more our industry grows, and quite frankly, we're going to need to be loud here over these next four years. So let's keep pushing, keep pushing. Um. With that, guys, I'll kind of wrap this one up. I do want to say, guys, if you're listening to the podcast, um, subscribe to it. However, whatever platform you listen to, subscribe to it. Um, you know, I only get uh, analytics on episodes that are downloaded and, and people that subscribe. And I, I would love to know uh, everyone that we're reaching. Uh, you know, I, from what I see, we're reaching a pretty good amount of people, and, that, and that's fantastic. Uh, but I would love to know exactly who we're reaching. So the more info I can get from you guys, the better. Uh, if you got any feedback you want to hear, something you want to hear, uh, something we've talked about, you'd like to hear us follow up on. If we've had a guest on, you'd like to have a, you'd like to hear come back on, or if you've got a guest in mind, uh, let us know. Let Wendy know uh, at Wendy at nuka.com. Let Natalie know midtn at nuka.com. Let me know M Mingus at teamcon llc.com, and we'll be happy to set that stuff up. Um, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun getting to do this, and and like I said when I was talking to Evan, it's been a very rewarding experience getting to be a part of the Nuka Mill Tennessee chapter, uh, getting to know the folks in East Tennessee as that chapter got stood up, getting to know the folks in Kentucky as that chapter got stood up, and it's just you know, so many great business leaders and great people and friends have come out of the the folks I've gotten to know doing this, so. The more we can all get involved and get together and get these things moving, the, the better it's going to be for all of us. So uh, with that, guys, y'all stay safe out there and keep digging Tennessee.